Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, what's going on, guys? Joe McCall, Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. It's been a little while since I've done one of these. I'm excited. And uh, we got a cool guest on today. Today, we're going to be talking about mobile homes. Now, before you tune me out and shut me off, some of you that love mobile home parks, you're like, why would Joe even think that? Listen, sometimes when I hear about mobile home parks, mobile home investing, I get like, oh my gosh, that sounds so confusing, so complicated, so like, I don't want to deal with it. But uh, our special guest today, Adrian, has a different tactic, a different unique angle on it that I was really interested in. And uh, we have some mutual connections that my one of my original coaches and mentors recommended that I talk to Adrian, get him on the show. And anytime Steve Cook says, hey, talk to this guy, I'm like, ah, okay. And uh, he's also, as another coach that I'm good friends with, we'll talk about that. So he's got a really cool story because he retired his wife from her job. Now they're both working in the business full time. And he's got a cool business name. It's called My Wife Buys. I love that because, and I'll explain this too later in a minute, but I found some of the best letters and marketing that I've ever used is when it comes from my wife. When I say, hey, my husband and I are looking for a house that we can buy in the neighborhood, you know, and it's signed by her. So we'll talk about all of that with Adrian here in just a minute. I first want to let you know, guys, that this podcast is brought to you by partnerwithjoe.net. Partnerwithjoe.net. It's my new membership site that is basically an entire course for seven bucks on how to get your first check in the fastest way possible doing wholesaling, cash deals, wholesaling. And my coaching business partner and I, Gavin, did this class together. And we also include, if you go to partnerwithjoe.net right now, you can get a free version of my cash offer software that will help you analyze deals, evaluate deals, and make a solid cash offer to sellers. It gives you the proposal and the letter to send to sellers and a very good, solid contract. It's amazing. You get it for free? What? At partnerwithjoe.net. If you want the full version of the software that makes cash offers and lease option offers and owner financing offers, along with all the proposals that you can send to sellers, it's like having me look over your shoulder as you're making offers to help you evaluate the deals and come up with the comps and make the offers and present it in a proposal that gives you credibility that you can send to the seller, all that amazing stuff. It's just seven bucks. And you get the membership site that teaches you how to do deals. Come on, you kidding me? Go to partnerwithjoe.net right now, partnerwithjoe.net and check it out. All right, so let's bring Adrian on. Adrian Smood, how are you, my man? Wonderful, how are you today? Good, man, I'm glad you're here. All right, so let's go back a little bit. I, I got a, a, a text message from uh, one of your coaches, one of my good friends, Steve Cook. And he said, hey, you got to talk to this guy. Um, he's doing some cool things. I think you're going to like having him on your show. I said, okay. So we talked, uh, man, this is really interesting. I like what you're doing with mobile homes, with uh, land. And then when you filled out the uh, podcast appointment calendar here, you started talking about some really cool things that you've been investing in this business for over 18 years. One of your original coaches, a good friend of mine, Ken Holmes, uh, challenged you to retire your wife. And were you 29 years old or was your wife 29 years old when you did this? She was 29 years old when I did it. And how old are you? I'm six years older than her. So that would be with simple math, 35. This is cool. I, I, I like how, and you're still working with your wife, right? Is she the one that's the my wife buys? Yep, she is. And she helps in the background, but 
really what the retiring of her did is it allowed her to find her true passion, which isn't real estate. She enjoys what it does for our life, but she's an RN and mm. she started traveling nursing last year when COVID started. She's been on nine different assignments now. Oh, wow. She's currently in Baton Rouge working. She came okay. home to visit and I go visit her. Our life allows that. Okay, nice. So she can live anywhere in the country. Yep. And it truly fulfills her yeah. helping in that way. Like, well, you know, we get God fulfilled through helping through real it. estate. Okay, cool. So where do you live right now? In Plant City, which that is the winter strawberry capital in the world, right in between Orlando and Tampa. Plant City, Florida, Central yes. Florida. Yes, sir. Just in Florida two days ago for a week. We did a vacation in the Panhandle near Seaside, Rosemary Beach area. I love Florida. So why does it have to be so humid? <laughs> why does it have to be so humid in the summertime in Florida? I don't know, but we had a good time there. It was fun. All right. So Adrian, go back. Uh, you, how long have you been doing deals, real estate? Well, I started as a tenant, like a lot of people did, but I was a terrible tenant. I got evicted. I had a stack of eviction notices. And my favorite one was asking us to please stop parking the motorcycle inside the house. My friend had a motorcycle and believe it or not, it gets cold enough here that he didn't want to park it outside and wait 35 seconds for it to warm up. I had a family member that was a mortgage broker. He said, buy a place. So, you know, if you remember 18 years ago, 19 years ago, you yeah. didn't need anything to buy a place. So that's how I bought it. Okay. $1,500 with the same friends in. And we all lived in different bedrooms in the house. Fast forward a few years, I bought a second house. That one was at the top of the market with the arm adjustable rate. I lost a little bit every month, but it's okay. You refinance. Well, that ended up being a short sale. And you can fast forward probably another eight, 10 years. And I went to RIA meetings and I listened to the seasoned investor, the guy, girl in the back of the room that didn't have to do another deal. They just really enjoyed the business. And they had a common theme of mobile homes. Was this in Florida that you were going to these yes. real estate clubs? Yes. In, in Florida, uh, all local. We have a bunch of them in the Tampa Bay area. And yeah, I just listened to them. I figured these guys and girls have been doing it longer than I've been alive. So they probably know more than I know. And they were right. That's how we got introduced to mobile homes. Okay. Now, when I hear mobile homes, I think big mobile home parks. I think of derelict properties that are completely trashed with a bunch of white trash in them. That sounds horrible. But like, you know, I, I think of like, oh my gosh, a lot of work, a lot of maintenance, a lot of things to fix. It's hard to find management and you need millions of dollars to buy these huge parks, right? But you do, you have a little different tactic on it. But before you get into that, maybe talk more about, all right, you hear these investors talking about mobile homes. What was, what was your journey into that? Well, actually, I, I, my first life and air experience, your uh, Get a Life program, uh, Sean McClowski was the one of the speakers, and he told his story about getting to your big splat moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of, you know, basically either need to have a big fail to get there quicker so then you can get back up and not just slowly. So my goal, I was a little frustrated with being comfortable in life. I decided I'm either going to spend the rest of our money on this mobile home that I have no idea if it's going to be profitable or it's going to be profitable. I spent most of our savings buying a $16,000 1962 little trailer that had everything against it. The septic was in a bad spot. You had to go through one bedroom and get into another. Everything most investors don't like. And I bought it, made a phenomenal return. How much did you buy it for? 16,000. Okay. And we only put less than 4,000 in it between closing costs. And we put up for rent. Today now, did it's you, rented. 
That's, explain how the because I'm confused on this too. Like, how does it all work when you buy a mobile home? Or do you buy the land that goes with it? Do you, if it's in a mobile home park, do you rent the land? So, great question. Our main business that we do is we buy the home and land together. So we own the real estate, the dirt. So it's no different than a normal transaction with a site built home, except for they have to do a title search on the trailer, so like a vehicle. That's the main difference. If you're buying just the home on someone else's rented land, which is typically inside of a park, in that case, you're going through, in most states, the DMV. There's some other states that create a new government department to take care of it. But then you're buying a vehicle. It's not much different than going and buying a car from a different person. And you would do your title search the same way, which for me, it's go to the DMV and make sure there's no liens on it. But we like to buy the dirt. We have these things called hurricanes down here. Yeah, yeah. And if a hurricane wipes it away and all I had is rented land, now I own rented land and I have nothing on it. So we like to have the dirt as a little bit more security. All right. So the first deal you did, did you do that? Did you buy the dirt and the mobile home? Yep. We bought the dirt and the home together. Did did you do do that by accident or is that what the guys taught you to do? That's what they talked more about doing those. They talked a little bit about both, but they really liked owning the dirt because we're in here in Florida. Okay. And so then you bought it for 16, you put four or five grand into it. So you're all into it for about 20, 21 grand. Did you say you put it on a credit card? No, I, I did the rest of most of the rest of our savings account. Okay. Okay. That's right. I didn't tell my wife that plan, by the way, of no. either the splat or make it big. I didn't tell her that was my plan of possibly spending the rest of our money and not getting anything out of it. <laughs> all right. All right. So you bought your first house, turn out well, what did you do? We did the basics to get it rent ready. Okay. And then from there, we just put the sign up for rent. Uh, we actually did a rent to own on that one. I followed some of the old mentors. We don't do that as much. We would do similar to like what you teach to the lease option these days. But we did a rent to own. The person put $5,000 down. Wow. And she stayed there for about four years. And how much was it rent? How much did you rent it for? She was only paying four hundred and ninety-five dollars a month because she put such a large down. We kind of figured yeah. that out together. Let me get my calculator here. She paid four ninety-five, and let's just say you have thirty percent for expenses, vacancies, maintenance, management, repairs, future capital expenditures times four ninety-five times twelve times 0.7. So you netted about four thousand one hundred and fifty-eight dollars your first year, approximately, and you put twenty-one grand into it, right? Yep. That's a 19, almost a 20% cash on cash return. Not bad. And she was there for how long? I think she stayed about four years. Okay. She had a life change and moved up north. She gave us the property back and basically the same condition. Okay. And now it's rented at $700 a month. $700 a month. And you well, own obviously we had to put some money into it, you yeah. know, to, to spruce it up a little bit. But it cost us a few thousand dollars and it's at $700 a month now. Now, when you buy the land, are you buying the land in a mobile home park or is this like a one acre lot somewhere out in the country or something? Both. We've mainly done bigger lots. I mean, that's what we like because we feel like we get a better quality tenant, you know, because people want a little more privacy, but we've done them at 0.09 acres. So a little sliver. Sometimes they're in a community that looks like a park, but everyone owns their individual lots. And sometimes it's a mixed road that there's some site built homes, there's some mobile homes, there's some vacant lots. It's just a little bit of everything. I prefer the mixed roads, especially like a dead end. And we also have a decent amount down dirt roads. Another item that breaks a lot of investors rules, don't buy down dirt roads. You have to pressure wash it to find out what color the house is. Yeah, We're fine with it. 
do you do you do this virtually or only in a closer area where you can actually go see the house? Thirty minutes from our house. I'm very strict diamond that I stay within. Okay. I don't want to spend all my time driving around. Okay. Do you ever go buy a vacant lot and then put a mobile home on it? I have followed someone else in that process. So I wholesaled him just the mobile home and I followed the entire process. And at the end, I basically brought him lunch and found out what he did. And I decided that's way too much work for me. Mm -hmm. I don't like to do that much work. He had to deal with all these government agencies and the mover saying he was going to do it. And a seller of the actual home got upset with him because the timeline, too many moving parts, not for me. There's money in it. But again, I like to be a little lazier, I call it. I like lazy too. <laughs> um, so you're you're looking for a, a vacant, I mean, a lot of property that has a mobile home on it already. Yep. Because also, if you move one to the land, people think, oh, you just move it there. You hook it up on the back of a truck and move it. Yeah, you do. And that costs seven to $14,000 to have mm. it moved and set up in Florida. You might have to bring the septic up to code. That could be seven to 14,000 as well, depending on our water table. You will have to have other inspections done. If you don't already have utilities there, you're going to have to either get a well or connect it to the county water. You got to get an electric pole. And then you have to worry about the home getting damaged on the drive there. And all that's if you got the home for free and you did no repairs. So it's not as cheap as a lot of people think. Oh, just get the land, you'll get a home and move it there and you're done. There's yeah. a lot of work to it. Okay. All right. So to go back to your wife, um, your wife was working. How long ago was this? That was about four years ago, three years ago. Sorry. And how long have you been doing real estate full-time? Full-time is about six years. We were very fortunate. We don't have kids yet. She was working full-time and trusted me and we just snowballed everything I did and lived off of her income. It was one of the benefits of not having a lot of debt. And we just snowballed everything I was doing for the first little bit. Nice. So today, what does your business look like? How many properties do you own? What, what kind of cash flow do you get? So we take care of about 30 properties. We do have a few master leases within there. And we are out of the site-built homes. We just sold our last one about a month and a half ago. That was the first house I ever bought as well. And we sold it because I looked at the equity that I had in it, how much net cash flow I was getting on that equity. And it was 5.6%. And I assumed that I could make more than 5.6% in other areas of real estate. So we decided to sell it and we put some of it to work already. And one of them we put to work, that one property that we bought all in at 50,000 is producing a higher net cash flow than the $270,000 house that we nice. sold. Yeah. So you could take that one site built home, right? And buy three or four mobile homes yep. and you get a lot more rent. Yep. So what you know? What is your average net cash flow on your properties? We are all over. So we have properties that grows from seven hundred to thirteen hundred, and our numbers are pretty standard. Like you said, the thirty percent. I'd say thirty to forty percent. If you run them and manage them right, they're not any different than a site at home. A lot of people think they are. If you man, like I said, manage them, repair them ahead of time, find the right tenant. We haven't found them to be any different. Okay, cool. When you do get a vacancy and you start advertising the house, do you get a lot of applicants applying for the home? So there is a big demand for them? Yeah, there's a huge demand. And that's something we've really honed in on. It's one reason we've sold some of our properties this year is because we created an avatar of who we love as a tenant. Just that person has worked best with us. We've worked best with them. 
and it's a blue collar handyman or handy woman. We look for properties that they like. They don't mind that dirt road that I mentioned. They love a workshop to put their tools in. They like a property big enough to pull their utility trailer on it and park it there. They don't want an HOA because an HOA bugs them. They love a fenced yard so they can bring their pigs and goats, the animals that most people don't like. So we've started buying properties that attract that person. We still get a lot of calls, a lot of applicants, but we're trying to get that one person that that's their ideal home. They want to live there, not they have to live there. Nice. And so you've got 30 of these properties. I'm assuming if you're being coached by Ken Holmes and Steve Cook, that uh, you own most of them free and clear, or you're close to owning them free and clear. Yep. And the little bit of debt we have is mainly performance-based notes. So if the tenant is not paying us, we're not paying our lender. And we yeah. go into that in that relationship. They make a little bit more money on that risk, but we get the beauty of not having that debt going out when Which no income huge, comes in. Huge. Yeah. And I, Steve Cook did that class. I helped him do that. And that was a long time ago, probably 10 years ago. Um, he called it debt-free investing. And uh, it was a great program. And he talked about how you can actually grow a portfolio, a very good portfolio of properties without any debt. And you think, how could you do that? Well, exactly what you said. Maybe you can explain it a little in more detail here. What is debt-free investing? How do you raise money from a private investor, but not call it debt? You know, How does that work? Because this is fascinating. So with it, we structured ours, it, it technically is debt on the property. It's a mortgage, but it's secured by a performance-based note. So there's not a set interest rate. There's not a set payment. And the way that we've done it is there's a buying amount. It really doesn't matter how much we purchase the property for. It doesn't matter anything else besides the cash flow. Obviously, we don't want to have someone lend on us on a property $10,000 more than we feel it's worth. They do their due diligence there. But we owe them that money back, and we usually do four to six years. So it is a balloon. But in that time, we're giving them half of the net cash flow. We take the maintenance repairs until we build up the fund. Obviously, if there's any vacancy, there's no money going out either way. And then property management. We calculate all that in, and we send a check for half of it. So if rents go up, the lender just got a higher payment. If there's no yeah. vacancy, the lender just got a higher payment instead of it being set. And then for us, like I already mentioned, we don't have debt going out. That's a scary part of debt to me. That can kill you, right? Because like, so if the property has been vacant for three months, you got to put a lot of money in it to fix it up or whatever. You are not making any payments to that private lender, but they're still secured in the deal with a mortgage or a note on the property, right? Exactly. We had four vacancies at one point from some properties we had purchased and then some weird turnover at that time. And I had a total of $200 of payments going out. And that's because I had an owner finance on one of the properties. It felt so relieving not to be a, a stressed landlord looking desperately for a tenant. I could take my time. It didn't hurt me to wait a few more weeks to oh find my the right God. person. Yeah, because then you can find the right tenant. You can be patient to find the right tenant. And this is so huge because when I when I lost everything back in 2008 and nine, it was because I had too much debt. I owed too much money to private lenders, banks, took over mortgages, had private mortgages, completely frustrating. And every dime of cash flow that I saved, right, disappeared immediately anytime I had one or two months of vacancies. And I, at any one time of my 15 homes, I always had one or two properties that were vacant, completely uh, horrible. So then the, the, somebody may be asking, well, why, what's in it for the investor? Like they're not getting interest or 
what does that mean? So it's like they're still they're probably getting maybe a better than interest a normal interest rate, right? Because yeah. you're sharing some of the profits with them. So it's just it's half of the net cash flow. Usually you have a balloon. Then is that what you said? Yeah. I mean, I believe in this idea so much that we have some of our IRA money lent out in the exact same scenarios to different investors. And the balloon, that's the other scary part of a mortgage or debt to me. But I look at it as I have a four-year track record when it's time to pay it off. I can either renew it with that person. I can go to, to you, Joe, and say, look, I have four years showing the payments and everything. I believe that's a little bit better. And if you say, no, I'm not going to give you the 50000 you're asking for, I'd only give you forty. But now I only have to come up with 10000 Or in our case, we do pay these off sometimes because we like some debt-free. Yeah, yeah. So do you still work on paying them off? Do you save some of the cash flow so that you can pay it off or pay maybe the seller a little bit of extra money if you have it? We not the would love to investors. do that. So I've, I've analyzed them to do that recently. But honestly, I don't have any that I can pay off because I know most of these people. I know that I'm helping, we'll say, Brian save for his retirement in a few years. And if I don't pay him that check, my friend may not be able to retire as well. And we have some sellers that had to do seller financing because if not, they lost their government assistance. So most of the debt that we have right now, I would feel bad paying them off because it's going to hurt their life. Okay. But you could if you had to yeah. or you wanted to, right? Yeah. And, and we have in the past, but right where we're at right now, we really don't have anyone to pay off because we get a value that is not uh, monetary of making those payments to them. Okay. And so right now, personally for you guys, are you getting enough cash flow for you and your wife to not have to work? This is all that you're doing now? Yep. We live off of this to meet our needs. Now we do like to travel. So, you know, we're always looking for more for that reason. And as I said, my wife, she still works. We call it her hair and nails money. So she can guilt-free buy whatever she wants and she okay. earn the money and she can spend however much she wants. I just tell her, don't tell me what the, the credit card bill is. <laughs> just spend it. Yeah, yeah. She earned it. She spends it. All right. So talk about how did you figure out the, the My Wife Buys things? Your your website for sellers is mywifebuys.com, right? Yep. So where did that concept come from? Idea. You remember the black and white shirts that said, I buy houses? They were yeah. pretty popular years ago. Now, I like to be different. So I just had such a problem buying that shirt. And as you alluded to in the beginning, women are better for marketing. I used to be in marketing, so I already kind of knew that because guys would rather talk to a girl than a guy and women are less timid talking to a girl than a guy. And then I actually did, there's actually data behind that, not just my experience. So I decided my wife buys. I was in one of the masterminds with Life and Air. I was wearing this shirt and I had this other brand that I just got from Fiverr. And someone stood up and said, what are you doing? You have two different brands here. One of them sucks and one of them is awesome and it's relatable and it fits your personality. And you know, any good mastermind group, you listen whenever most of the people in the room are telling you the same thing. That's awesome. It became our brand. I'm going to share my screen with you if you don't mind. Can I show you? Can yeah. I show everybody your website? Yeah. Cool. You guys see this? This is mywifebuys.com. I love how you're very specific on what it is that you buy. We buy mobile homes. And then check this out. The next page says, my wife buys here. Yeah, that's the diamond shape that you're talking about. So you're very clear on where you're buying properties at. And these are the types of people that you help. Simple, three simple steps. Sounds like a story brand. Have you read the book Story Brand? <laughs> exactly. It's exactly where we rebuilt it from. Everybody needs to read that book, Story Brand. It's a cool picture of you and your wife. 
And this is, it's real simple. This is going to get more attention. Here, I had a student once who, um, it was a lady, her name was Penny. A Penny or, I think it was Penny. And she was really struggling um, with getting leads. And she was doing all the type of marketing everybody else was doing. But then um, she added, she did a, a, a Penny Saver ad. And she changed it to Penny Buys Houses. What was it? Maybe her name was Paige. Paige Buys Houses. It was a picture of her, a woman, shaking the hand of another woman in front of a house. And guess what? I mean, she went from hardly any calls to tons of calls because it was a woman saying a woman's name, Buys Houses, a picture of a woman in the front of the in front of a house. And started getting a lot more leads from that. You also buy houses, but it's way down here. And uh, what a cute couple. That is you guys, right? Yep. Nice. And every picture on the website is a property we purchased or owned or wholesaled or something. We didn't. And real testimonials. Yeah. Nice. And so this is a good example of the type of home maybe that you guys buy. I zoomed in a little bit, right? Yep. Uh, This is in Central Florida. It's a mobile home. It looks like it's got some privacy in the backyard. And uh, I can see why this would be an appealing house to somebody who doesn't want to be part of an HOA. They want to be able to put their own stuff around, right? Around the property. Yep. More junk people bring, the harder it is for them to move. Say that again? More junk people bring, the harder it is for them to move. So is that is that good it's or good. bad? They, they, they want to stay longer and longer. <laughs> okay, okay, I see. We want Wait. people to stay a long time. Right. All right, this is a pretty ugly place here. Would this be a, a property you would buy? We did buy that. You we, did We buy still it. own it right now. As you can <laughs> see, for the people that are watching, it came with most of the siding. Okay, so what did you buy this thing for? We bought it for $7,500. $7,500. Okay. $1,000 down, $100 a month. All right. Zero interest. Let me say this again. $1,000 down, $100 a month? $100 a month. Did you like amortize that or is that principal only payments or? Principal only. Okay. Principal for how many years? 6,500 months. 65 months or 6,500 months? That would be 65. No, sorry. 65 months. Okay. 65 months. So you don't have to be good at math to, to no, do real estate. You just need a calculator. <laughs> But here's a crazy thing. If you owned this house, who would say no to that offer, right? Yeah. That's a great offer. And he hugged me and I think was more excited than I was because this was a headache to him. And he was an experienced investor to the point the title company knew his name when I dropped off the paperwork. He was just burned out. And he did had he, moved on did to he live things. in the home? No. He actually sold me two of them, the exact same deal side by side. And that's the home in the land. Uh, how many acres was this Was this on? About a quarter of an acre. Each. Was it in a community of other properties? It's down a dirt road off of a dirt road. Okay, so you bought the land and the mobile home. What did you do to it after you bought it? Believe it or not, the inside didn't look as bad as the outside. We obviously had to fix up the outside, do some work on the inside. It needed all new electric, but we had to get all the electric. We had some plumbing. Uh, you can see most of the windows are out. And that's it. I mean, we put... a about 10,000, I believe, into it. Did you do the work yourself or do you have contractors to do it? I I did at the very beginning and I learned enough that when someone tells me it takes four hours to do the job, I'm like, no, it takes me four hours. You're less if you're a professional. And I learned that I'm not that good at it. Okay. So how hard is it to find a contractor that would look at this and say, all right, I'll do it. Replace the windows. I'm sure, I'm assuming you replaced the siding or did you just power wash it? No, we we replaced the siding. All right. You replaced the siding, maybe new roof? Uh, Actually, the roof didn't leak on this one, believe it or not. All right. So then... If the roof had been leaking, we may not have been able to keep it. Because once they start leaking these old ones, the, the floors just start 
falling apart. They're pressed particle board on the old ones. All right. So this may be a dumb question, but like, is it is it hard to f- repair these types of homes or is it just like a regular single family home? So the upgrade to these homes is replacing it with the same materials as a single family. This one has the real thin walls. And if I remember correctly, we did not have to replace any walls. Sometimes we have to, and we'll take out the whole wall, put two by fours in it, put drywall. That's the nice upgrade for it. Believe it or not, the inside of this one looked pretty good. We did not have to replace the cabinets. Okay. As I said, we have a lot of mobile home parts stores that have these, we'll say, cheaper materials that they use originally around us. And I would guess that they're in a lot of areas. You just have to start looking for them. Okay. So, um, which by the way, we were just in Florida last week, driving home through Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Alabama, specifically, we saw a lot of these on the drive home. When you're driving from the Panhandle in the um, seaside area, Destin, Seaside, Pensacola, Mm -hmm. you drive state highways, county highways is the most direct route north till you finally get to an interstate. And it was amazing to me driving through these little small towns, how many of these properties that you saw, um, that I saw down there. And I was like, wow, okay, who would live out there? But, you know, the structure of this, you know, is it, you know, the floor, is it steel? Is it wood trusses? What is it? So think of a wood frame house that's sitting on some steel I-beams. So the steel I-beams is the actual trailer portion of it. And then they kind of put a wood frame house on top of it. Okay. The easiest way to think of it. So if you strip down the subfloor, if it's done right, you're going to have the wood uh, slats to put your subfloor back on. All right. So the the exterior walls are wood framed walls. Yeah. The older ones like this, they do have metal a lot of times. That's probably not the original siding on that one. A lot of times they have metal and they're really thin. So here in Florida, they stay pretty warm. That's why a lot of people put individual AC units in the windows because essential airs just don't seem to keep up. Okay. Are, are most of your homes central air or units, like single units and windows and stuff? Mainly single AC unit windows. We found a lot of people, I find this hard to believe, but they said that the window units are cheaper electric. My theory is they are only turning them on in the room they're currently in. So they're not cooling the whole house at the same time. Okay. That's the right. only thing I can think of. And again, I don't know why people in Florida even need air conditioning. The weather is (laughs) so beautiful in the summer. I don't know why the insurance companies make it where you have to have heat in Florida and not have to have AC. They got it backwards. (laughs) All right. So you fixed this property up and probably looked a lot nicer when it was done. And then what did you do with it? We put it for rent. Advertised it for rent. So when you do that, are are you advertising it with like rent to own, lease option? Or do you ever try to do owner financing or do you just rent it, get the best tenant you can in there? It really depends on what the property I feel like is telling me to do with it. This one, I felt like it was going to be a little higher maintenance. And going back to I can be a little lazier. I don't want all those calls. So we did give the person the option to buy it. We got someone that's going to go in, take care of it as if it's their own because it hopefully will be theirs one day. All right. So then are there any more challenges with... Well, I guess what I'm asking is like, why not owner financing? Why a lease option? We do the lease option because I want to feel out that tenant buyer first Okay. in the first year. My accountant does not want me selling it in the first year. He wants me to have a year, 13 months of ownership. Okay. And if you're doing multiple of them and you space it out in the right way, 
you can stay with under the Dodd-Frank guidelines of having to do the loan originator. You know, we're not doing huge volume. So we keep it where we're doing one, maybe two a year. I was going to ask, so does Dodd-Frank apply to mobile homes? Yep. Okay, it does. And I believe it even applies to mobile homes that are just in the park where you do not own the land. Okay. We don't do many of those, but I believe it involves that too. If any of the listeners are looking at that, you need to look it up. Is it hard for people that want to, that live in mobile homes, is it hard for them to get financing from banks? Yes. If it's the big banks, they'll go about 20 years old. You know, the Chase, Bank of America, Wells Fargo. If it's a smaller community bank, they will go back to 1976 and they will do, even some of them will do single wides for a homeowner, for an investor. They, they don't do that. Okay. And, you know, it's got to come up to code. It's got to have the straps and the piers are all up to code, which in Florida got stricter because of hurricanes, which is good. Okay, cool. By the way, God bless your wife for being an, an RN, a nurse during uh, COVID. Thank um, you. Yeah, that's crazy. All right, so let's talk about your wife. Why my wife buys. Was she okay with this too, by the way? <laughs> that's a great question. I think you're the only one that asks if she's okay with it. She does not love attention. Okay. So we go to a meeting together. This obviously... And you obviously do love attention because you're wearing this bow tie, <laughs> right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I do like the attention. It was for the marketing. And like I said, I she is involved in it. If she wasn't involved in it, I couldn't have done it. Uh, you know, just my own integrity. Yeah. She takes care of the background and it, it worked. I, I wish I could say I was a genius and thought all this up ahead of time. It just slowly worked. I took a little bit of action and got feedback and it fits my personality better than being the, a big corporation brand. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm the guy next door and my wife happens to buy mobile homes. I like it. So does she, how does she help with the business? Or do you just, you, are you the main one that takes the calls and makes the offers and stuff? She helps me analyze the properties. You know, I bring her everything and, you know, I'm more the entrepreneur where I'm over here and over here and all over jumping around and she grounds me. The behind the scenes, she checks all the rents. She's a lot more, we'll say secretarial mindset where, you know, Hey, this is the process. This is how we do it. And that doesn't fit well with me. I'm all over the place and running around. So we complement each other in that way. Nice. And so you manage all these properties yourself, right? Yep. All right, cool. Let's talk about how do you find these homes? How do you do the marketing to find a seller with a mobile home on land? I wear the shirt. Okay, cool. No. Um, that, that's By the way, those of you listening to the podcast, your shirt says what? My wife buys mobile homes and it has a phone number. Okay, cool. That is a big part of it. You were starting the conversation out before I got on of, you know, they sound intimidating or you don't know much about it. All these different things. I go to lots of RIA meetings and that's the way a lot of people think. Wow. Or why would you buy them? They go down in value or, you know, they're not sexy to take a picture in front of for Facebook. Well, I just tell all those people, you're right. Send me all your leads. Yeah. Yeah. Bring these are horrible deals. You don't want them. You tell them, yeah, you're right. I, these are horrible deals. Send them all to me. I'll take them off your hands. Yep. So investor referrals is same thing with realtors. Realtors do about the same amount of paperwork for that older mobile home as they would do for a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollar house. Okay. And most realtors still want to help out, you know, potential clients. They just want to help people. So we've gotten those referrals. And besides that, it's everything everyone else does with the bandit signs, the letters that they send out, any Facebook, Google AdWords. The only difference is you replace the word house with mobile home. 
are there ways to, I'm looking right now in PropStream. Can you do a, pull a list of mobile homeowners? Yes. It, it has been a little bit more difficult at times. I, I'm not really sure why, but the property appraisers sites, they do have, you know, mobile homes specified. So you, you, we have pulled the list before, you know, I'll say every once in a while, for whatever reason, it pulls properties that are on rented land. I don't understand how or why it does that. I just assume most of the services don't look that hard into it because they don't have many people doing it to complain. Well, it's also just whatever's available in the county. It yeah. depends on the county that you're doing this in, right? Yeah. And a lot of the counties, again, no one really complains or people don't speak up that have mobile homes to say, hey, fix this for me. And it never gets fixed. So do you ever do direct mail, cold calling campaigns for... We've never done cold calling. I know it works. I just don't like receiving them. So I decided I don't want to send them out. (laughs) It's maybe not the best business decision, but that's what I did. And we have done some letters, but we've really, we've done really well with the networks, you know, marketing that way. Uh, And then the signs on the side of the road, we're trying some other marketing right now. We we actually just signed on with a dirt track, racetrack. We're going to have a big eight by four banner at the end. There you go. I don't know if it's going to work. It was pretty cheap. You know, I, I feel like there'll be some mobile homeowners. There's a lot in that area and I'll go check it out. Well, you Sounds know, I went, to, I went to PropStream here and I looked up Plant City, Florida. I'm just looking at the city, not the county. Mm-hmm. And in the property type dropdown, by the way, if you're interested in PropStream, guys, go to PropStreamJoe.com. PropStreamJoe.com. You see the link right there. If you type in mobile, there is a residential selection for mobile home or trailer park and just mobile home. And I found 3,500 records. I'm just looking at some of these have pictures because they're active on the MLS, but there's a lot of, uh, some of these are really nice mobile homes, like with beautiful landscaping and all that. Some of them look like maybe modular homes. Do you do you buy modular homes or do you care about that? So the joke is when you're buying it, they're all trailers. And when you're selling it, they're all modular. <laughs> yeah. It's just perspective. Uh, I would buy them, but the cash flow, which is what we really care about, that's in the little bit older ones because the financing drops and then the price drops. I wonder if you could do a search for mobile homes built after a certain year or before a certain year or whatever, you know? Yeah. Here is one that sure. I just found. And I think this one is listed on the MLS. That's why there's a picture on it. This, uh, if you can, you see that picture there? Yeah, that's a nice mobile home with a huge deck. I bet you that's a few hundred thousand dollars with probably two hundred or plus. They sell because you can get bank financing on that, and that is beautiful. That's actually one way I convinced my wife, "Hey, we're going to check these out." Was I showed her starting on the inside? You showed her these pictures. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, "Oh, they're not all." you know, we'll say terrible looking. Uh, we haven't bought any of those super nice ones, but that's where we'll build up to those. I grew up for many years in a mobile home park in trailers. I lived in a trailer in um, Des Moines, I'm sorry, uh, Edmonton, Alberta in the winter time for two and a half, two years. And uh, I remember it being frigid, freezing cold in the winter time. My dad would put plastic on the windows. Yeah. I don't think we had air conditioning in Edmonton, Alberta. <laughs> Canada. You know, they've had mobile homes in Alaska since the 50s. Not surprised. I don't understand how they kept those warm. Well, that, that brings me to another question here. Can you, because you're doing this in Florida, can you still invest in mobile homes like you do in other markets like Michigan, Montana, Minnesota, some of the colder climates? I don't see why not. I mean, I have friends that do. I never have because I got real niche down to where we buy, but I don't see why you couldn't do it in any market. It's if it's there. And there's a demand for them. 
which remember we're for us, we're in the affordable housing space of the niche of mobile homes that we're really doing. And I believe there's an affordable housing crisis in the entire country. Mm -hmm. I don't see why you couldn't do it anywhere. Okay. Well, here's something that I'm looking at here. I'm in PropStream, PropStreamJoe.com. And this is interesting. If you guys can see my screen, I did a search for right here. I went to property characteristics property types. I typed in the word mobile right here and found out mobile home or trailer park mobile home. And they've owned it for five years or more. And there's 1,700 properties right there. Some of these are listed on the MLS, so you can get rid of those. But some of these, I don't know, like this one just has some old pictures, maybe used to be, it was listed back in 2018. Sometimes you can go in and get a map of these properties. But Florida has a lot of them, right? Obviously, because the climate is warmer down there. Do you know investors? Do you have you have you met people that do this well successfully on a larger scale in some of the upper northern parts of the country markets? I don't know anyone that has made it their entire niche like I have, but I have friends that own a few. You know, they don't say no to it when the call comes in. Yeah, and you mentioned about the ones that are on the MLS. I would say if it's an older one, you should still look at that. Because for whatever reason, the mobile home culture doesn't always use title companies. And we have found most of the title work is really messed up. So that means that it can be very difficult for someone to buy it. And we bought one two years ago. It was on the MLS. And I you know, gave my offer and I left my offer at the home itself. And they could not close because the title work was so incredibly messed up. It went back generations Really, And it was going to tell all these people that didn't think they had an interest in it that, hey, you have to do a probate all of a sudden. So we have a 40-year master lease on the property. Just a 40-year lease. So those kinds of yeah. deals, you can maybe make a more creative offer on it. Yeah. Seller, right? And it's, it's a property that was on the MLS. And you know the, the, the title work can be a little more difficult, but that's why you have a good title company. And the financing. People don't always realize that financing is harder. And they fall through because of that on the MLS as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's interesting. So you could maybe find a, a, a property on the MLS and make the seller two different offers, maybe. You could say, all right, I'll pay you cash at this price, which is going to be significantly less maybe than what they're asking. Or I can get you the price you want with owner financing terms. Yeah. So let's let's do an example then. Let's say there's a there's a property, it's a, it's a mobile home, they're asking what's what's a normal asking price on a normal mobile home that's decent shape, livable. Not ex, not really nice like the one we were looking at with the huge deck. I'd say today it's really jumped in the last year and a half, but probably around 100,000 in my area. All right, so they're asking 100,000. If you were to make them a creative offer, like a master lease you said or owner financing, really nice and it's not trashed they're asking too much for a cash offer. So you're going to make them a, mo a creative master lease or owner financing offer or something. What would that look like? Actually, let's change the numbers and I'll give you one that I did last week. He was asking $155,000, which okay. is too much in my opinion. The property mortgage with a bank is in his late girlfriend's name. Okay. So it is not in his name. The deed is in his name. He's already gone through probate. So I gave him two offers. One of them, I would rent it from him. And we didn't go through all the idea of how, what that would be. But I told him, look, I'll rent it from you. And then I have the right to sublet it out. Really, what I was wanting to do is sit down and talk about that more, if that was his preferred. And the second one was I would do a little bit of owner financing and take over the mortgage. Because the mortgage was 83000 And that was still more cash that I wanted to put down. Because I felt like I could rent it for probably $1,500 a month. Wow. Okay. 
and I didn't have to do that much work to the place. The guy kept it up really well. He did the work himself, but it looked like he probably did it right. Most people just don't do it right. So I gave him the offer of taking over the monthly payments and a small amount of money, cash, and a small amount of money on payments. We didn't go through those exact terms because he said, this is all new to me. I need to talk to my attorney. And what, there was a realtor involved too, right? This one, there actually was not a realtor involved. Okay. I'm going to follow up with them. I really think that he's probably going to end up putting it on the MLS. And I wouldn't be surprised if he sells it a little bit less than that okay. to someone. So you give the seller, I love that. When you give the seller options and you say, I might, I might can buy it with cash, but it's going to be this lower price, but I can get you a higher price if maybe rent it. So yeah. like a master lease, right? I or, always offer the person whatever they're asking for it if I can make payments. Okay. And then really the payments just depend on how much do I think I can rent it for. And I need to build up my payments and to be very safe under that. And we've done a lot of that. People always ask, well, for how long? I don't know. The calculator tells me that number. Okay. If they want interest, we have to put that number for interest in there. Obviously the price of it. And we feel solving for the amount of months. Well, that's a good question here then real quick. And we'll wrap it up here in a minute. But what are your what are some of your minimum criteria for these deals? Do you have like a minimum cash flow number, a minimum return on cash flow, return on cash or return on equity? Or what do you what are some numbers you look at? For the most part, I look for a minimum of 20% all in ROI. That's partially because of hurricanes in Florida, because I do have a higher risk. You know, these older ones, older than 1980, we can't get named storm coverage. So if a hurricane takes it out, I get no insurance on it. I do break that rule. I broke it earlier this year because I liked the dirt a little bit more. So if something happened to it, I felt like I had more value in the dirt. But in general, we've been buying the upper 20s, so 28, 30% ROI. And that allows us to share more of it with our investors as we mentioned earlier. And it just allows us for that risk. If something happened, you know, we mentioned they're a little bit riskier because of the insurance, because of the all of the aluminum wiring in them and some of the repairs you have to make. Yeah. But higher risk, higher reward. For sure. So is there like a minimum cash flow number? How much it has to cash flow a month? These days we look for probably 250, 300 a month. When we were really growing, we didn't. We did 125 on a few of them, but we were just trying to snowball that. We've since gotten rid of some of those properties, but they served a huge purpose while we were growing. Uh, I would never buy anything at a negative cash flow while I'm in growth phase. We have recently because of some certain, it was a very short term negative cash flow. But okay. I, I think everyone has to kind of figure that number out for themselves. But 125 is very, very, very slim. Yeah. You know, that was a rare thing we did. All right, cool. Would you ever do a deal outside of your diamond area? Would you ever do a deal in Arkansas, for example? The only way I would do that is if I had a good friend there, I knew them, and we were going to partner on it, and I was going to have nothing to do with the day-to-day work. I'd be more of a silent investor or you know, like brainstorm and help out. Because I believe too much in being able to go and see my properties. If there's an issue, I want to be able to go and talk to people. And I also don't want to have to learn a new state's laws and regulations. That's work to me. Sure. All right. I get it. One more final question. Any piece of advice or tip would you give to somebody who is interested in doing something like this and who thinks, man, this is a great way to get some, use a small amount of cash to get some good cash flow? To do your homework and research, but not get stuck in analysis paralysis. And at some point when you feel like you're kind of ready, take action then. 
And really, you can take action before you're even kind of ready. Just start sending out the mailers or door knocking or signs online. Whatever you're going to do for your advertising, just start doing it. And when you get stuck, reach out to another investor, network a lot so you know who the good guys are and good girls, and reach out to them and just say, hey, I need help. Cool. All right. Adrian, how can people get a hold of you if you want them to? There, obviously, your phone number is right there on your shirt, but do, do, what, what, do you, what do you tell people? Go to adriansnood.com, and cool. that has all the information. If you contact me through here, I'm not going to be the one picking up. You're going to have someone else answering the phone because I don't honestly love to answer the phone calls. Right. Adriansnood.com, that has all my information on there. Message me on social media. That's probably one of the best. I do pretty well with messages. Cool. All right, Adrian Smood, A-D-R-I-N-S as in Sam, M-U-D-E, adriansmood.com. Hey, man, thanks for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right, and give uh, give your wife a big hug for us. Will do. Appreciate tell it. Her, tell her hello and get come home safe. All right, thanks a lot, Adrian. Thank you, Joe. We'll see you guys all later. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.